0: Hey there, you are listening to Tech Talk with Gumlet, where we dive into captivating and candid conversations with industry leaders and startups in tech. Powered by Gumlet, the all-in-one platform for pixel-perfect image delivery, secure video hosting, and buffer-free streaming.
1: Let's dive right
0: in.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Talk with Gumlet. I am Aditya, co-founder and CEO at Gumlet. Today, we are joined by uh, industry leaders of video-first startup from Indian startup ecosystem who have uh, not only built but scaled their startups uh, in uh, in 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 last uh, few years and today's topic of uh, of our first tech talk is going to be about how somebody can build a video first startup in 2023 what are the tools and what are the challenges hey thanks everyone for joining today there has been like a lot of uh, tailwinds for for video first companies especially because of the pandemic and we have seen like there are a lot of uh, startups which has emerged out what was thought to be like a one time event it actually turned out to be like a very um, industry wide thing where uh, video startups are, are are not only doing good they are just they are just growing rapidly and uh, i think it's it's a great time to talk about like what if somebody wants to uh, wants to start or somebody is building that what are the, what are the best practices uh, this talk will basically allow them to understand what things to do and also like most important thing in startup world, what not to do. So we'll jump into different topics, uh, which is about the journey of building a, a startup and uh, mostly from the tech perspective, but we'll also touch base upon the product management part of it and how to give the best user experience as well. Why don't we introduce uh, ourselves as well? Uh...
0: My name is Manu. I head the engineering team at Growth School we're an ed tech platform focused on professional development. Uh, we mostly target people in the 20 to 38 years kind of range who get out of college. Uh, you know, They learned a lot, but they don't necessarily feel like they have all the skills that they need to succeed in their career or upskill in their career. So it's more about uh, helping them achieve those goals, um, You know, whether it's job transition, whether it's uh, being recognized more, whether it's just upskilling because you want to feel better about what you're delivering. Uh, those are the kinds of you know, uh, objectives we strive to attain with, with our customers.
1: Yes. Hi guys. I'm Ravneet. Uh, I am co-founder of Wagmi. Um, before Vagmi I was director of engineering at Vedantu, uh, where I uh, built the Vedantu app from scratch and scaled it to 40 million users. So we have been in the tech space for a long time. With Vagmi we are basically building a social tech platform where aspirants can meet achievers, right? And then they can engage with them, learn from them. And it is again a video first platform that we are building um so that's a
3: little bit about my background uh, hi hello guys um my name is suraj i work with Code Chef. Uh, we are basically an online uh, coding platform where uh, you know uh, people from different backgrounds they come and they learn coding uh, we are primarily you know uh, uh, penetrating into the learning market but you know uh, our uh, original usp was a uh, competitive programming where people used to come on the platform compete with each other and that's that's how people used to learn coding at CodeChef, i uh, lead the product and engineering team
4: yeah Hello, everyone. Good to meet you. I'm Kaizad and I'm the founder of Swirl. We are a live video commerce SaaS company. We basically help D2C brands, retailers to create a very immersive shopping experience using videos and live streaming. Um, So think of it as like the headless version of Shopify, but using the video component uh, on top of it.
2: Okay, sounds good. So uh, let's start with this thing. Um, I just wanted to direct with uh, a normal person who would start something initially. Uh, there is a very easy way to do this is is no code. No code movement has has basically begun in uh, in uh, I think uh, twenty fifteen around, but it has taken a huge momentum. One one big thing which comes into my mind is retool, which is uh, uh, internal. Uh, back-end uh, tool which can basically allow developers or anybody in, in a team to build internal tools remarkably fast. That's what they do, right? But the question is that uh, what are like other tools or anything that is viable today, which uh, makes this uh, possible to build a startup without without even hiring an engineering talent to start with, uh, to get an MVP or to, to
0: get to the point? Uh, I, I joined growth school about a year, year and a half after it first started. By which time they had, you know, uh, I won't disclose the uh, numbers, it's substantial amount of revenue, right? And it was all built completely on no-code. I was the first engineer they hired and they could afford not to hire a single engineer for the first year and a half and get to, you know, uh, substantial revenue um, just using no-code technology, right? And it really depends on, so, so I think the the key thing to keep in mind is not to build the perfect product, but to build the minimally viable product. And if you, if you seek that as your goal and not necessarily perfection in terms of, hey, it should send this app notification. it should send this push notification exactly when I want. I want the perfect engagement. If you don't care about that dance, but more about like, can I prove that this works and I can at least get some revenue on it? Then somebody would get interested and say that, hey, this looks like a viable market. Um, there's no way, I mean, this is 2023, right? Nobody's going to give you money just to say, I have an idea. Somebody's going to give you money to, once you have proof of traction. Of, and and, and if, it really depends on the background you're coming from too. I think the challenge is greater for engineers because you can code, and so you're really tempted to say, okay, I know the stack, I just want to build this. But even in that scenario, I think uh, if you're proficient with no-code tools, you'll get to market and prove that faster uh, than than if you build it yourself necessarily. So I'll just highlight some of the tools that really got us off the ground. Growth School is a, is a, a, a cohort-based uh, uh, education platform where people people buy courses for professional development in a nutshell right so you're a UX designer you want to get better at UI UX you're a uh, you want to start a D2C business you want to you you want to get better at uh, full stack software engineering etc so you'll come and engage in growth school you, you might take shorter programs there are a few hours longer programs that are eight to 12 weeks and and, and you will do that so Viber uh, was the CEO and founder of growth school he, he's uh, he's a marketer by profession so naturally he was very comfortable with and marketing is I think is a great uh, background for for no code t- tools because it's all just like learning how to like get one tool to talk to another right so it's like very good background to come from uh, if you're if you're uh, uh, coming there how do i get google analytics to report to this spreadsheet how do i get this you know in, into this other thing so what was relevant for us the, the i think the king of the jungle honestly is like some kind of content management system if you're looking at edtech but obviously every situation will demand something else For us, content management system you can't go wrong with you know uh, something like wordpress super flexible millions of plugins, it won't do the perfect thing, but it'll do like quote unquote 80% job, right? Uh, for payments processing, again, there's Razorpay and there's a bunch of other uh, uh, people in the ecosystem that'll plug in nicely with that. And um, yeah, and, and I think the, the other thing that's really worth doing in terms of like the little bit of glue that no code is not gonna give you off the bat is something like Zapier or Integrately. But those tools are all great. Like right? they, they let you kind of connect these missing pieces and, and form the glue to kind of connect uh, connect the pieces of your platform that you would otherwise have to code.
2: What are others, uh, if you have any any thoughts on that, uh, Ravneet, Suraj?
1: See, yes, uh, retool is great, right? Uh, at Vedantu also, we had this big CMS that we had done internally, where which manages all the batches, right? Because, again, we were also into cohort-based programming and a lot of kids, and in the COVID times, so we have seen that also scale, right? Where more free trials were given and there were more batches of people coming in, kids coming in, Right so but uh, for example if we look from a parallel that the kind of cms we created internally versus what can be achieved on retool today is amazing right so uh, i think that uh, that level of work can be done at say one tenth the time minimum right and you don't need sophisticated software engineers to do that right and be dependent upon such cms so basically again that power did unlock with retool coming into place
4: I think Shopify is one of the prime examples of no-code integration. And one of the reasons uh, why platforms like us have been able to get mainstream adoption, both in India and globally, is because of the whole no-code integration capabilities. Indeed,
2: I think uh, I think uh, Shopify has uh, made the entire e-commerce <laughs> no-code. Uh, somebody comes up and wants to start some, selling anything online. I mean, yeah, one singular answer out there.
4: I think one very cool uh, no-code told that we use we are now starting to use this web flow I think that's like uh, taking the industry by storm and uh, in fact that's the fastest and the best way to create your own custom website by still while still being s- super cutting edge you know when it comes to your SEO efforts or your uh you know landing pages or you know running ad campaigns or integrating with different Martech platforms it's it's uh, it's something very exciting uh, that we are looking forward to
1: even Framer in that regard, right? So Webflow and Framer, right? both are a great tools for starting that. And even if you look at from a link tree perspective, right? From an individual creator standpoint, if that, those are also great tools, right? Wherein you have your own website up and running and you have all your contact information provided so that the conversions can happen, right? Again, great, simple tools. And so any tools that Coreshep uses right now on, on no-code side?
3: we used to use uh, a book for our uh, goodie platform uh, where, you know, we used to, uh, uh, send goodies to the winners of the platform. But the only concern that I see with, you know, uh, no code, uh, kind of tool is, you know, uh, when you want to scale up or customize, right. When, when there is a lot of customization that you require to do, and, you know, it's possibly, you know, difficult for the platform to accommodate, uh, that is when, you know, it starts becoming a, a big pain. Otherwise for early, you know, uh, startups or early, uh, you know, uh, things, uh, no code is absolutely perfect.
2: Yeah, I think that is my next question. I mean, when does company, I mean, outgrow uh, no code? I mean, um, and Mano, maybe maybe you you outgrow no code. I I suppose. Uh, when does it happen? Is it is it customization or it is uh, more like a like a uh, more people are there or more functionalities are needed? Is is a function of like customer growth or is function of company
0: growth? How how does it? When does it stop working? When you get funding is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, a good look, answer. <laughs> the quick answer to my, my point is when you want to go from that 80% solution to proving MVP to proving to proving that 100% solution because that's going to give you better engagement, better kind of user feedback, all that's going to help you iterate your product. When is that relevant? Not necessarily for getting your first hundred, maybe even thousand, ten thousand users. Depends on the kind of business you're in. If it's B2B, then maybe first hundred matters. B2C, maybe first hundred thousand matters. Uh, but when you need to go beyond that, you obviously need a lot of specific tuning specific to your application that an off-the-shelf product won't meet. Um, so I, I think you have to kind of look at it in the, in, in the perspective of your specific business, whether it's B2B, B2C and all the other considerations. And and yeah.
2: Okay, sounds good. Uh, so next, uh, let's say somebody wants to go from no code to, to to some code, right? Uh, uh, and I'm getting a little bit technical here before coming out again. Uh, so what are like frameworks or say backends? which are uh so in these days what happens is typically you you don't need to build just one thing i think i think in 2010 when i started coding it, it was just php language and in front end there was no framework this you could just do with a few lines of jquery and things fly nicely um uh today like you need to think about your back end entire framework whether it's a uh, whatever the, what is powering the apis and business logic front end you have like a um, for web, you have like React of the world, uh, Angular, and uh, and Next.js, and 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 ton of things. I mean, in fact, and and on mobile also you have ton of things. You, you want to make mobile front-end is no longer just a native coding. There are like a uh, um, React natives of the world and and the Flutter of the world which are available. So what is what is right now? I mean, what is your experience? What is what is working fine and uh, uh, and not only at your startup, I mean, you already have like a lot of connects with you, with the other startups as well. What what technologies you see like scaling really well in this twenty twenty three, which is easy to get adopted, and then and they make like really good products. Very broad question, but yeah, I mean, would love to have thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, so I can talk a little bit about uh, React Native based apps, right? So so there's a tool called Expo, right, uh, where you can build apps. Again, uh, it is a simpler tool where you can combine the given npm modules, right? Put it into place get your builds out you can create a build directly on their web panel itself right and just you can start small small apps and they can start scaling it right so from that perspective we have seen tools like react native right now flutter uh, basically the adoption curve is far simpler right it's not that complex at writing say in swift or even in objective c or in java right native java for android apps uh, even windows apps earlier now say even uh, android apps right so writing is the react native it is more flexible because javascript is far more uh, widely spread language right that people have interacted with so they know the syntax so that they're far more easier to adopt and then start programs with obviously there are uh, performance issues that come with scale For such functions but again from a say fundamental perspective running the business or mvp perspective they provide great platforms and great service and far faster build times uh, development times are far simpler and you can basically get your apps up and going bigger apps right within months rather than having and again having separate teams for ios and separate teams for android so react native flutter have been great technologies for more app developments to happen far faster
3: uh, Codechef and a lot of other platforms—they uh, have started migrating to React primarily because you know uh, the the development community is is huge, right? So you know the resources that are available—they uh, are—they are, they are uh, kind of—it's—it's it's a gold mine of content or resources that are available in React. You know, if, if there is any problem that you are uh, facing with respect to uh, any any uh, any issues that you are facing, right? Uh, it's very easy to you know find a, a huge community, a solution from the huge community.
0: I think uh, <laughs> from painful. Personal lessons we've learned, not just at Growth Club, other places. The 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 real challenge in transitioning from no code to code is 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 the metaphor uh, two metaphors. I think one is imagine you are driving a bus, you got to got to change the tire on the bus, but the wheels have to, but the bus can't stop, right? So like the no code platform has to run. So the 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 the, the metaphor that transitions into that is how do you eat an elephant, right? Piece by piece That's the only answer. You can't like eat it all at once. So I think the burden really falls not solely on engineering. But on product management to figure out how can you actually transition off of a product that is working that you cannot like there's no way even to replace like WordPress and WooCommerce and everything with a homegrown platform that solves for discounts, subscriptions, expiry, nothing. You know even if I give you a crack team of brilliant engineers, uh, first of all we don't want to build e-commerce products, but even you know, if I give you that crack team and I give you years, it's it's going to be subpar compared to like a community product that's that has been out for fifteen years. So the real challenge is how do I keep that running and how do I like position the pieces in place so I can replace the most critical pieces first or the easiest pieces first and some combination of criticality and ease and impact and reach and all of that. So that's, I think, so that becomes really, a really good. It's really good. To, it's really important to have a good product team in place that can envision that because, uh, you know, you're not always going to do that as from from an engineer's perspective. When, when somebody
2: starts, let's say a video uh, journey, the first thing that comes in our head is the big one, YouTube uh, and uh, and let's put videos there, right? That is the first strategy. Uh, I think, I think Suraj will be able to relate uh, the biggest uh, with that. <laughs> uh, uh, because, yeah, I mean, why not? It's there. It just allows us to, to upload things. Uh, so, so Suraj, why don't you tell some something about when, when somebody like outgrows it? I mean, what are the time, times when YouTube is great fit? But what are times when it is not? You know, uh,
3: the... Benefit of using YouTube is, uh, you know, the user base, like, you know, more than 2 billion active users every month, Uh, like, you know, uh, you can easily get uh, uh, any kind of target audience that you're looking for, right? That's, that's the primary audience. That's the primary benefit of, uh, you know, using uh, YouTube, right? So you don't have to, you know, go and search for uh, the user bases or, you know, uh, content delivery is very easy there. Uh, That's, that's, you know, one of the uh, best uh, method to you know launch yourself it's also cost effective it won't cost you a lot you know if you want to go ahead and you know start delivering your uh, content in the market uh, but i think you know uh, the issues that people start may start facing with with respect to you know content restrictions there are youtube has very strict content policies right so, you know, uh, it may allow certain content, it may not allow certain content. Monetization also is something that can be problematic for a lot of people. Anybody did exp-
2: have have experience with YouTube in the past? And there, there are two sides of things. Right? One is business side of things, one I think is demand gen. So I think demand gen and getting the awareness out and all, uh, YouTube is still a great platform to to get people on board. I think a lot of SaaS companies, because I, I meet a lot of SaaS founders, do use YouTube as a, as a demand gen, where they put videos, they they get some audience there.
1: Um... Yeah, actually, YouTube is a great tool for EdTech, especially right. All EdTech is built on uh, YouTube, right? Uh, Unacademy has an has a great way of, uh, you know, putting out teachers, and getting all the students engaged. Same with AnTu, same physics, one well, right? So if we look at EdTech, EdTech has, has, I think, used uh, YouTube as the best source, right? And for their distribution channels, right? And reach the audiences. Uh, so yes, definitely. But uh, then, but again, as uh, others also said, right, there are a lot of restrictions that we can play with YouTube and can't do, right? For example, um, most of our teachers are, are master teachers, right? They used to teach it on YouTube itself, but they are not direct ways of taking account information of the user if I click on subscribe, right? So then automatically all that comes to my account and then I can reach out to that user somehow, you know, share my app link, share my course link, and all that, you have to have, you have to put all the links like, in the description section or all that ways. Right? So again, they don't allow the flexibility, right? If they could open up or have plugins, like the way Slack has, right? I can customize my channel can put in a lot of boards like, to basically, you know, uh, cater the experience the way I want to as a channel owner. Right? They don't allow such customizations or plugins to be embedded, like say Dukan is doing it or say Shopify allows. That to happen, right? So, so such things are not there. So hence, it starts restricting it. And then you end up, you know, trying all those things into your own platform. And then you have to ask for maybe more custom-built, personalized solutions, etc. Onto then respective platforms like Vedantu and Academy, Physics wala right? By et etc. But yes, as a distribution tool, great, right? You can have all the keywords possible out there. You can program your content that fashion. You can again set schedules on how the content should get dispersed. All that again doable uh, we, we can go live do that all that again is available you can integrate bots when you go live right so all that is available but still uh, the experience is limited in the fashion and the way we are going now from video centric products right and the kind of experiences that can be built now feels like are getting restricted on youtube
4: customers are uh, you know really looking for an experience um, so while you're watching a video and then you want to immediately ask a question uh to kind of solve your problem um you know you can't do that on a YouTube video so it's in a sense it's not very interactive unfortunately so it limits the interactivity then another problem that we've seen is that while you're watching a video if you want to uh, get the customer to take a call to action let's say for example shop now or add now add their payment details you know select size select colors add to cart checkout while the video is continuing to play in the background you know those kind of commerce capabilities are missing so I think what is happening is that what we are now big believers of is that a obviously these walled gardens that what we see in the world, like YouTubes of the world, Instagrams of the world will continue to exist to drive influence and discovery, you know, uh, uh, businesses like ours are going to use open web solutions by using video as a key component to drive uh, their product experiences. In our case, it's video commerce, you know, in Ravneet's case, it's EdTech and, you know, uh, you know, and so on and so forth so that we can create a more native experience for our end users. That's what business is all about now, you know, in, in, in modern day age, wherein we are actually using video as a component to drive more interactivity, uh, you know, for the end users. And I think, um, you know, that's where the true, uh, true opportunity lies.
0: I don't even know why you wanted us. You could have just had asked your questions to chat GPT and gotten all the equivalent answers.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: where is, where is the fun in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what are form factors like obviously shots are working like perfectly well for the, for the shoppable videos for social media. Uh, but what are the other form factors which are working? Uh, uh, let's say for ad tech, maybe the, uh, maybe the shots will not work. Um, uh, but what is the, what is the, what is the format? Uh, is it like a very long form content? It's like a, it's like a five to 10 minute videos. And whether the horizontal versus vertical, any inputs on that, like what works? Uh, um, Apart from the social media, because yeah, obviously, social media, you want to go quick five, ten, fifteen posts, you can do uh, with shorts in uh, in two minutes. Uh, but but what are the other form factors which are which are just taking, making sense for different kind of businesses?
4: I think we are big believers of you know short video. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, barring few mind blowing statistics that, you know, on an average today, about 76 minutes of time is being spent every week by user watching short video content on social in India and significantly higher outside India, especially in countries like US where TikTok exists um, and, you know, over globally, 83% of Internet traffic being video first by 2023, primarily driven by short videos. I think that's uh, going to take the industry by storm. That's why we have our, one of our, you know, uh, you know, main or primary product offerings is short shoppable videos. wherein you can watch a video, tap on the screen, add to cart, check out and make a transaction. And you can embed these beautiful looking, you know, short videos on your website. I think that is going to be a very kind of game changer for businesses to be able to articulate what their are offering is within that 30, 60 second, because everybody's having this low attention span and, you know, Um, You can only say so much, right, (laughs) Uh, in whatever time that you get with the customers. Live streaming is also a a very, very key component to our business. And I think that's also going to, you know, kind of slowly uh, contribute to a major component in terms of video adoption globally. We use HLS, obviously, for that. uh, But I think um, in that sense, uh, it's also a very, you know, uh, very, very... How do we call it in real life kind of an experience that you can create uh, using live stream very authentic uh, you know to build trust with the end customer and get a very very real-time experience so so that's where we are putting our bets on besides the short video content
1: yeah same from edtech perspective right most of our adoption happens from mobile phones only right so it's uh, kids still don't have laptops at their home right? they don't have broadband connections so we are, we are basically playing with two challenges there, right? So we are playing with one mobile space so the kind of space that we have to play with so that we, now we are teaching concepts, right? So the kind of whiteboard that you have, can I zoom in into it? Look at the equation properly and write it in my notebook sectors so or such things are very, very important, right? Then comes the bandwidth consumption that happens, right? Say for example, if I'm watching just one or two classes, and in that case, it is eating up my one GB bandwidth that I have from geo every day, right? Then that becomes a problem point. But actually we have face these issues even at wagmi also for example uh so if you keep scrolling the feed and you're watching videos of these people right um, sooner or later kids realize that hey within 15-20 minutes my uh, 100 mb has gone right so, they are, so the way we used to be with our pocket money right these guys are with their that one gb these days right so i can't give 200 mb to this app for this this use case you No, know, i can utilize it better right because because once that one gb is cut you know it is not working and the whole day will go bad, right? So, so all those things became very, very important for us. Think about the plight. I mean, India
2: is is uh, at least the. I mean, thanks to thanks to G, the data was made cheap. Now it's increasing, but out of India, I think data is extremely costly on mobile. Uh, um, the plight will be even more uh, there for students, I, I guess. Uh, but yeah, in, even India as well. I mean, we see a lot of our customers' apps uh, uh, get review that hey, this app is consuming a lot of data. Do something about this.
1: Um, uh... Exactly right. So, so the kind of experiences that we can provide, I think there's somehow we have to manage the kind of bandwidth also that it consumes, right? To to truly basically disrupt India as an ecosystem, right? And the power of masses that we have. Uh, as you also said in Dubai, I was recently in Dubai and then I've seen the costs of internet are minimum eight x more than that of India, right? And the difference that they have is because internet and Wi-Fi etc. are so easily available. Uh, people and also uh, the penetration that the way we have it for smartphones right they have it in a better ratio for even say personal devices personal laptops and phones right so ours is way too much uh, skewed towards mobile right so you have to have those plays in play and and
2: i think uh, raunit for especially for you or maybe even others have experienced this but this video once once it is let's say processed on device or say once it is recorded there is no reliable way to get out uh, the video i mean the the people record and it's part of the form factor right people record in multiple dimensions multiple formats how do you get that out Uh, somebody with iphone will record in 4k who knows um how big is the challenge because i think i think that is uh that seems like a big, big problem right now. Uh, or if you, if you guys have
3: found some answers to it.
2: Manu, Suraj, I mean, you, you have videos, which is, which already prepared, not by users. So I think you will be facing less of it or you also do.
3: Yeah, we do face, that's what I initially mentioned, right? You know, uh, college students having different type of phones, different type of, a lot of them may not have a lot of, uh, you know, great quality uh, cameras to uh, create uh, good quality uh, content. When, when there is a, an issue with respect to data uh say probably or even network right when there is a fluctuation in network when there's a live streaming happens uh, you know so for example if you say uh, watch cricket match in hotstar right uh, one thing that i like about them is like you know they, they have a fallback option so they'll reduce the quality of the video that's being you know uh, streamed so that way the you know the streaming will keep on continuing so that's also you know something that should be kept in mind and that's a very important factor uh that i feel you know uh, for for uh, live streaming videos
0: so i can add to that i think we, we at, at least at growth school we come with these problems from a slightly different perspective in that most of our users are paying users for, for video consumption right and, and they're consumer oriented so it's still a b2c kind of focus, but they're paying users. So th- these are people who pay 10000 25000 you know, for an eight-week, 12-week program for, for, with, with mentorship, access to live video, uh, which is a huge challenge. <laughs> so some of our cohorts are like, you know, huge, way, way larger than uh, uh, what is typically allowed by most platforms. The, the challenge I think we have is, a lot of our content, some of our content is like speaker-oriented, right? Like I'm, you're watching somebody speak, you can watch that fine on a mobile device. It might get boring after a while if the speaker's not engaging, but you can watch it fine. But a lot of our videos is like screen sharing. Here's how you set up Google Analytics for an intro to digital marketing course. Here is how you do full stack engineering. This is this is the, this is is the where the router is, the middleware is, blah, blah, blah. Good luck watching that on a phone, right? It's going to be really, <laughs> really, really disappointing experience. So a lot of our re- uh, users, we try to bias them um to kind of set expectations ahead of time saying this is you know uh, this is video that's probably better consumed on a on a device and also we've, we've had uh some i wouldn't say a lot but some kind of video compression and 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 video pipelining uh, um, challenges with that because one moment it's somebody speaking next moment boom it's like a b, b frame or whatever uh, and it's like a screenshot and the third third moment is like a whiteboard uh how, how you choose the compression algorithm especially when using a third party provider is not at all in your control, right? You have to, they have to kind of window the video appropriately to be able to apply different compressions at different points and be intelligent about kind of guessing what kind of content it is. So those are all challenges not in your control. I, you know, would 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 be nice to have. And the last piece I would say is uh, even though we don't have a problem with um, you know kind of scale and those kinds of issues because we, we're primarily targeting uh, paid users, you know, we hope to have those problems with scale eventually, but. Uh, uh, you know, th- I think that the current challenge is really around proof just because somebody pays for a course doesn't mean they actually watch all the videos. That's true for every course in- out there, right? Like I've signed up for God knows how many, like, you know, machine learning or whatever courses on Coursera, Udemy, uh, I-, I don't know how many of them I finished. Probably a minority is- would be my own guess, right? And so just because I paid for something, it uh, doesn't mean I'm motivated to finish it. But so you have to keep that motivation alive and, 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 and there are many ways to do that, right? So uh one thing is don't serve a one hour video if you have one hour video break it up into chunks right make it seem like you get the dopamine check oh i crossed i crossed one video like that's like 15 minutes oh yes like this, that dopamine check is really important from like a product sense uh the other thing is the speaker just has to be engaging especially if i'm just staring at a face and I'm speaking monotone it's not going to work as in if they have like these you know transitions and like just exciting voice um uh, and I think I've seen some great ones. I've seen some bad ones, <laughs> but hope, mostly great ones. I think in, at, uh, at at um, my tenure at Growth School, these people are well aware that they need to keep these people engaged.
2: And for our last topic, I think uh, let's discuss something about the future. I mean, we started uh, videos with uh, with Flash, I think, 15, 20 years ago, right? Uh, Adobe came up with some servers and clients, and like, this is how you stream it. As the story goes, like Steve's already hated uh, Flash, uh, even after investing in adobe so they they invented the standard code hls uh which really took off uh big time not only on apple devices but everywhere else because flash really did suck uh, especially on the battery and power consumption front um and in last two three years what has happened is especially on the tech side if i talk about there are things like hevc support which is which is like very advanced codec allows the allows to stream the same sort of quality in a very less Transmitting a very less bytes. Um, Google has come up, uh, Google and Apple has come up with, uh, I think standardization is the name of the game in the last two, three years. So Google and Apple is now collaborating to merge their standards. They both were on the different standards, like Google was on a Dash and, and Apple was on MP, MP, HLS. And now um, Dash and HLS teams are working together. Um, DRM systems are, are really good uh, right now. So in past, somebody needed to deploy I think four or five different DRM systems. Uh, now it's thankfully down to two. Uh, so uh, Widevine and Fairplay is deployed, uh, uh, 99.5% devices are covered uh, these days. And uh, and on live, live live streaming front, I mean, uh, Apple has done a great job with LLHLS, which is, which reduces, I think, latency of HLS streams, uh, live HLS streams by, I think, from 15, 20 seconds to around five, six seconds. That's what the best case can achieve. Um, that is that is a lot that has happened. I think standardization and interoperability and and reducing this fragmentation is what is being done. Um, what do you see like in next two three years or or if you don't see, I mean, what is the wish list for next two three years? I mean, on, on tech front or on video front? Uh, I think from down it we have great list for YouTube, allow uh, app store on YouTube. I mean, but uh, but what else? Like, what are the what are the wish list for future of videos?
1: yeah i think one is definitely bandwidth reduction right this is we have to provide video content at a far lesser bandwidth available right because i think uh one of our prime challenges at wagmi today is that people want to engage more it is just that their internet consumption is going higher right so how do we reduce that because that basically for the company means far more engagement and far more kids learning you know coming into more learning cycles right um but that bandwidth is basically now limiting the kind of extent that we can go to uh to provide such experiences right so that become that is a very very important question right because this is how the world has shifted right? earlier we just had these boring websites right and we had to read through a lot of content and look through it right from that to now the delivery all of that information happening in some one minute video format right and then even live experiences live commerce sector the world is now shifting from a dead web pages, uh, products to now deeper engagement products. Right. And now sooner or later, it will go into the metaverse world as well, wherein people will wear in these gadgets and will be in a video universe completely. Right. But again, at the end of the day, it matters right? how better the experience can be. And uh, as Manu also mentioned, there are different audiences, obviously, but if we have to create far more scalable products and reach to all these people, then it becomes bandwidth becomes a limiting power as of now but again uh, in the last three four years what we have unlocked as India uh, wouldn't have been possible without Jio right and similarly I think such companies will keep evolving uh, as the time comes right it, it'll beca- keep becoming cheaper and cheaper and hence more availability through such bandwidth and hence more options for us to provide for.
3: yeah I think that is
2: on top of everybody's wish list. anything else I mean apart from bandwidth
3: I think the same thing that uh, Ravneet was pointing out, right, the post-production part, uh, you know, uh, kind of automating it somehow where, you know, people don't have to put a lot of effort to get the post-production done. That is something that uh, would, would add a lot of value and, you know, speeding up the uh, delivery of the video content. Oh, yeah,
2: that is, that is I think, my personal favorite, post-production. <laughs> uh, because, uh, yeah, I went through the pain only once, but, yeah, don't want to go through that again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would agree that those are certainly much bigger things. Uh, the only other much smaller thing I would think about is like um, uh, DRM, like better DRM. So certainly where we are with Fairplay and uh, Widevine is a thousand times better. I, I I popped in a DVD I bought like 10 years ago, one of my old favorite shows, and it's like, I popped in on the PlayStation, it says, you cannot play it because it's not in Region 2. Some nonsense, you know, <laughs> like really stupid DRM nonsense like that that they used to do. And where we are is a thousand times better than that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think advancements there would give kind of confidence to say that, hey, but it's an arms race, right? Like you can still screenshot stuff, even if you have Widevine, like you can use like a screen capper. There's, it's an arms race, like you invent a better shield, somebody will invent, a you know, like harder weapon. So I just hope that that keeps up in a way that's, you know, fair to both creators as well as maybe a little fair to pirates. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we are, we have seen both the sides. I mean, uh, we, we have seen like how to download the the DRM protective videos, what are things to do it, and to now providing DRM protection for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's arms race. Uh, But uh, uh, thankfully, right now, at least, I mean, it's in favor of like people who want to protect the companies these days. Uh, it's it's become very sophisticated. At the same time, it, it, it all all the issues are gone. Like these errors and like the latencies. Previously, with DRM content would take like fifteen seconds to start, and all those things. Uh, all those things have went away. But but yeah, I mean, still still good way to go. Uh, and and part of that was because of the fragmentation in the space. But but yeah, I think it's it's getting better.
1: See, basically, videos are uh, basically digital assets, right? So in our physical worlds, we have our houses, we have our buildings, right? We have our security guards protecting it or managing it and running the shows. Right? In a digital world, videos are our assets, right? Every video on YouTube can keep bringing views even for a longer durations, right? For years and years to come. So hence they are assets. And if we look at assets, again, the security becomes a key there also right so if it is your proprietary content which you have created and that gets you money revenues advertisements from here and there it has to be protected right so all similar principles apply right which in our physical world applied applies in the digital world as well.
2: yeah great uh thought because i think uh i think the the woes that we go through when creating videos i mean needs to be paid we need to be paid back for for the, for the effort that we put in when making them. <laughs> Okay. Any last thoughts before we, we uh, close on? Uh, I think we are we are done with the topics.
3: One wish list that I can think of is you know uh, better searchability of content. So, for example, if there is an, an hour long video that talks about say data structure and algorithm, and it contains say a, a snippet that just talks about say you know a bitwise, and if I want to search content uh, that that's there only for that particular content you know there should be a better searchability function that that brings me all the content that is related to that bitwise or any particular topic which can be in a you know longer duration video i think yeah, I, I, hey right. hold, up, hold on hold
0: really on i think that's like super. i think it's a super killer feature the closest we've come to it is in terms of like the content creator doing chaptering uh doing like better seeking and things like that but those are all very weak you know like how do you know you're using the right keyword what if you could do like a deep video search? Uh, I read somewhere that Google's releasing a product on deep video search. I'm sure it won't be the last word in the space, uh, but that would be like a, a real game changer. I think that's a great point that Suraj makes.
2: Hold, hold on two months. We are, we are redesigning our CMS. Uh, it has those features, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Aditya, let, let, me ask, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, so yes, please. How, how different on this um, you know deep video search problem, how would you characterize its complexity in terms of you know the pieces compared to deep image search, which has been around for a long time? So video is in in one way to think about it is a series of frames. Obviously, it's much richer than that because it has some connectivity between those frames. But what can you do in deep video search that you, you know you will not? You don't think that we we could do? If we just split all those frames and index them. Yeah. So uh,
2: I'll tell you how we are tackling it. Uh, uh, so what what we are right now, like in in version one, what we are building is. Uh, is at least the searching of the spoken words so let's say as, as suraj said somebody told about like say um, uh, some some phrases or something uh, at least that should be searchable to the right through that second not only the video but to that second uh, so that's what we are doing right now uh, that is also powered by ml so we will convert all the audio to text and index it uh, according to all the timestamps and and allow so from a single search bar to search even if you have like 1 lakh like videos we'll search through all there within a uh, within a second and and give you out the the search so that's what we are doing from audio right now um the 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 second part i think we we uh, which is the dp image search and the counterpart of video is uh, is this indexing frame for their content so let's say for example if i if i take a photo of this room in a big way there is a whiteboard and then there are lights and and i can search that uh, there are two challenges with that one one is uh, it's extremely computationally intensive so what happens is that uh, for doing it for images uh, is is okay because you have like a, 1 lakh like images it's like 1 lakh like frames but here it's like a multiplied by 30 into your minutes so it's it's a large number of frames which are there uh, even if we do every second it's still is a big one uh, to to pass through the machine learning models um, and second one is that uh, uh, how useful is that? So, uh, for some industry, it might be like very useful. So some it is not so much. Uh, uh, so, so we are just waiting, weighing on those options uh, about how, when, at what point of time things will become cheaper to index, and at what point of time we have enough data that this these are the set of industries which support uh, the deep in, uh, video indexing will will basically make uh, super good use of it uh right now it's it's even youtube it's 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 not that good but i think it, it should become better uh so that's what we are doing uh we are uh it, it's it's the the deep deep part uh especially if the extension of frames is, is a really tough one uh not from the result side but from the competition and cost side uh but uh yeah let's see at least the version one will come from audio
4: yeah
1: and our future plans can be that we raise money from as <laughs> your right hand say hey, 10% loss computation <laughs> just like, let it be on <laughs> us uh, yeah
2: i mean satya is all all bullish on all the ml technologies these days uh, mm-hmm. interesting to see especially this this uh, i mean there are some things which were which were very computational intensive and now it has become like very cheap so for example this uh, uh, this image generation uh, this table diffusion and things like that were where very competition in, in, uh, intensive back in like 2016, 17. Uh, nobody could even think doing that uh, very easily. Um, and on the other hand, Apple just released iOS 16.2, uh, which is stable diffusion inbuilt. Uh, they have APIs for that. Uh, and it runs on mobile devices, which is like like completely different, which was unheard of. I think things are becoming way cheaper, way faster. Uh, on the m l side uh I think it's 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 time we'll start seeing on device uh and and on on cpu things uh super early than than it was anticipated at least at least I have been working in this field since like more than more than uh six years now but uh, uh, it seems like things are things are becoming less computationally intensive really fast, which is good thing. Okay, I think then Then this is a, a great time to conclude uh, today's tech talk. Thanks a lot, everyone, for, for your inputs today. It has been really good to talk with you guys. Uh, see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.